So I had the occasion over the last couple of weeks to travel to a new place for work. And I know in the ongoing saga of where I go for work and my qualitative opinion about those places, I'll, I'll share with you what I felt about that place in just a minute. But it was, it was about 24 hours over the last couple of weeks that I spent in the car driving. This was not a place that we got to fly to. I had to drive there and for about six hours each way there and back and there and back, I sat in the car. And as I stand here now on Sunday, having looked back on, on those two whole days of driving that I did, I don't remember them at all. Yeah, has that ever happened to you? You ever get in the car and you find yourself driving and somehow, magically, you end up wherever you were going and you don't remember a thing about the ride. I, I see a lot of nodding, right? Hey, and that, is that scary to anyone? <laughs> How did I get here today? I, I do that at work all the time. I, I show up, all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting there in front of my computer at work. How did I get here? I was just in my jammies and now here I am at work. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to go on autopilot. And that's, I think it's natural for us, you know, not to remember every detail and to, to you know, internalize and cherish every, you know, I don't cherish those moments that I was sitting there in the car for six hours driving to and from the place that I was going for work. And I think sometimes when we go on autopilot, and of course you know where I'm going with this, we can do that spiritually. We can definitely go on autopilot spiritually. But I, I want to even just take a step back even from spiritual autopilot. God presents us with a lot of amazing things in this world that we should spend time thinking about and appreciating and not go on autopilot and miss. And this is not some moral kind of lesson. This is not a lesson that's going to go off and tell us all like how to be a better this or how to do this better, five steps on what to do to, to achieve more of this thing or whatever. This is going to be a lesson, hopefully this morning, that helps us pay more attention. And that's really it. Because I think when we start paying attention to things in this life that are good, I think it really changes the game for us. And that is where, not too long ago, I did a lesson called What's Good, where we look back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And this verse is really all about paying attention to things. As Paul says, finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul is trying to get us all to understand that there are good, important things in this world that we should cherish, that we should put into our thoughts, and we should think about them, and just spend time thinking about them. And I know a lot of times when we're talking about what's good and all the good things around us, we might focus on doing good things. And that lesson that we talked about not too long ago, the focus of that lesson was to say that God doesn't only want us to do good things, which I know we focus on a lot, but he also wants us to think good things. He wants us to tune in to good things and think about them. He wants us to spend our time not just practicing good things, but being filled with good things. You see where we're going here? As we look around us, there are plenty of good things, good gifts that God has blessed us with. 
good things that God has poured richly into our life that we can spend time appreciating and thinking about and letting that appreciation and that thoughtfulness and that gratitude really change our life. There are also things that God has created us to be and has taught us to be. These virtuous kinds of things that God has called us out of the world, not to live like the rest of the world, not to live in darkness, but to live in the light. And we can appreciate all these things that God has blessed us with, but today I want to focus on the gifts that God has given us, and particularly, today I want to focus on the gifts of creation. Because here's the thing. While I was sitting there driving, I could have been looking around at God's creation. And just a little secret, I actually was. <laughs> because I was thinking about this lesson and because I was spending my time driving, I was actually looking around at, at the creation around me. God has blessed us with creation. God has blessed us with nature. God has blessed us with his good work. And what did he call that work in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2? As he created all of those things, what did he call all of the things that he made? He called it good. He called it good. And as we stop in our life, in our day-to-day -day busyness, in all the, all the going here, going there, getting this done, checking off our to-do lists, all of our resolutions, all of our productivity, all the, all the to-do lists that we're so focused on, Sometimes it's important for us to just stop and get back to basics. And remember that God is good and that he has blessed us with this good world that we live in. And if we're so busy and we're so tuned into other things that we miss this point, I think, I think we've missed a lot. But not only are we going to be talking about nature here, not only are we going to be talking about thinking about God's gift and creation, but God also has blessed us to be creative ourselves. You know, isn't it amazing that in Genesis, as he creates everything and he calls it all good, and then he creates man and woman, and what is different, what is special about man and woman? They're made in the image of God. And what do we as people like to do? We like to create. We like to build. We like to make things. Ever ask a little boy how he feels about Lego? <laughs> they like to build things. We love to make things. And what I also want to think about is our, is our amazing gift of work. We have a great blessing of the work that we are able to do in this life. And God has blessed us with work. So God works. We work. And then just to round it all out so that we're not just focused on all the things we do and all the things we produce and the go, go, go. I want to not forget Genesis chapter 2, the first three verses, where on the seventh day God rested. I want to talk about rest and the importance of rest. God has created us to be people who need rest. And so let's talk about that a little bit this morning as we think about these things and hopefully change our view on what God has made and appreciate what he's done. Of course, we go back to Matthew chapter 6. I think... Jesus' great words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 are very important as we start out thinking about the creation, about nature, what God has made. And here in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 28, Jesus 
is trying to get us not to be so anxious. A good reminder for us all. But notice the lesson that he gives. Notice the the instruction that he provides to help us to stop being so anxious. In verse 28, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, you might think right off the bat, as we talk about nature, as we talk about God's gift of creation that he's given us, you might think we'd go right to Genesis chapter 1 and look at all the things that God has made. But here is what Jesus does. He looks at everything that already exists, everything that we see every day, and here's, what, here's the one most powerful word in this, in this verse for me. Consider. That's really what this lesson is today. That's really what this lesson is for us today. Consider. Because Jesus doesn't talk about some moral, philosophical, let me, let me pontificate with you about like really high and important things. No, Jesus says, I want you to think about flowers. That's it. That's Jesus' lesson. How do you stop being anxious? Just pay attention. Stop being on autopilot. Look over there at those flowers and see how much God takes care of them. And that was Jesus' lesson about how to be less anxious. And I think there are powerful lessons all around us about God's power. And here's the thing. When we don't take in the natural world, when we don't look around us, At all the amazing things that God has made, we miss a window into the wonder of God's goodness and his greatness. Please don't get me wrong. Bible study is crucial. (laughs) We have to study God's word. We have to understand what he's given to us, what he wants from us. And of course, as we're going to do today, we need to know the reasons why we do all the things we do coming from this book as our authority and our guide. But if we just focus on this book and don't open our eyes to the world around us, we're missing something. We are missing something because Jesus used the natural world to say, look around you. Look around you and learn about God from what has been made. Of course, you know that we would go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 19 to 20 here, as Paul would say, and exactly the same thing. People are without excuse when they fail to look at the natural world around them and see that God has created it all. We see God's power, and we wonder at it when we look around in nature and see what he's made. You ever just stop and and you look on the horizon and you get to see an amazing sunset? Or you ever stop and you you just watch birds playing together or doing all the things that they're doing? I mean, these are things that Jesus encouraged people to do as he taught. You ever think about flowers? Just stop and think about, think about the beauty of a field of flowers and how God takes care of those things as Jesus encouraged us to do. And I think it's important for us to see how in Psalm 148, one of my favorite psalms, by the way, Psalm 148, the psalm that probably you could all sing, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts. What is praising the Lord here? Heavenly hosts, angels, things that are above. And then he continues. Praise him sun and moon. 
Praise Him, shining stars. Praise, praise Him, highest heavens, you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. And He established them forever and ever. And He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and the depths, fire and hail and snow and mist and stormy wind fulfilling His word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Everything that God has created on the earth praises him. You spend any time looking around you at nature and you see something that praises God as the creator for he spoke and it was. And then, of course, he goes on to talk about all the kings and all the, the young men and maidens that praise him as well. Yes, we praise God, and we should praise God. But if we stop and look around at the vastness of the heavens, you want to think about the vastness of the heavens, just find Greg Nelson and he'll show you some pictures. You want to think about the, the, the power of God, you can look at the mountains around you. You can look at the, uh, everything. Everything that exists praises God because he made it. Just think how awesome it is that we serve a God who has created a good world for us to live in. Of course, as, as Paul would explain in Acts chapter 14, as he was preaching and trying to get a whole bunch of idolaters and pagans to really focus on the Lord God, he points out in Acts chapter 14 that God can be easily known and that in verse 15 he says, in past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. But he says, we are of like nature with you. We bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and, that all, and, and all that is in them. In verse 17, he says, He did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. God has made a world that's comfortable. There's a lot of challenges, of course, after the fall. You know, there's a lot of difficulty, of course, after the fall, but God created a good world for us to live in. He's given us fruit, good seasons, productivity. He's blessed us, and we can see that God is at work for our good in this world. And of course, this world is not our home. This is not where we want to live, but as we look around at God's creation, what do we do? How has God's creation impacted how you view him? Just think about that. Think about how, when you look around you at nature, when you look around at what he's made, does that cause you to appreciate God more? Does that, uh, does that cause you to feel closer to a God who made all of these things for your good, for your blessing? It's just something that we should all take time to do. I know it's easy to live on autopilot. I know it's easy to miss all the things around us because we're so busy and we've got a lot of stuff going on and we have this to do. And look, it's January and I have to go work out because otherwise I'll fail in my resolutions or whatever. Like you've got these things that you have to check off the box. Yes, it's all important, but don't miss what God has made and how it proclaims his glory. And you pass by it all the time and maybe you don't ever think about it. And so let's move on. Not only does God create good and amazing things that we should spend time thinking about. We should fill our hearts with. But God also wants us to see the great blessing of work. 
And as Paul would talk in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 through 24, about bond servants, he said, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earth, earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. It's not just a, a show we're putting on for people, but with sincerity of heart. We do our work with sincerity, fearing the Lord. Now, here's the key. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Changing the game about how we think about our work. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Putting this in the perspective of Jesus. Putting our work in the perspective of Jesus. When you show up for your 9 to 5 job or whatever, whatever you do for work. White collar, blue collar, whatever the collar is. Whatever the, whatever the work is. When you show up, who are you working for? Why are you working? And as Paul's talking about here, it's important for us to see that we're not working for our boss. We're not working for the company. We're working for Jesus. Is that, is that something you think about every day when you show up to work? When you're like, man, I can't wait to get out of here because I'm so tired of working for Jesus. I mean, if you really think about it with that perspective, like, you wouldn't ever say that. You'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to be doing my job because I am working for the Lord. That's what he's trying to get us to see here. Because work and the chance to do good work and appreciate the work of others is worth celebrating. Work is good. And I just want to uh, maybe clarify something. Work was not the curse of man's disobedience in the garden. You, were, you know that, right? Because you know what man was doing in the garden prior to being booted out for their, for their sin? They were working. God created work to be done in the garden. Now, the work was a lot easier. There were no, there were no weeds, right? Well, there were lots of things that needed to be done, and Adam and Eve were going off and doing those things. They were working. Work is not a punishment. Now, we messed it up, and work became a whole lot harder, but work was never a punishment. And God wants us to see the, the, the value of doing good work, because he is a God who also works. He is a God who is powerful and active and, and working in our lives, and he wants us to work as well. He wants us to get to work ourselves. And we need to see that we should embrace the opportunity to do good work. I, there, are, there are a few things that I learned from my dad and from my mom, just a few. And one of those was the power of an important work ethic. I, for whatever reason, you know, if the job's not done correctly, I have a real hard time with it. I have a hard time just letting it go and being like, no, no, I'm just going to put in the time and I check the box and I, I, okay, I'm walking away. Like, when I'm doing a job, when I'm getting something done, like, I want it to be done well. And I hope we all are that way. Because God, of course, as he made the whole world, God made everything good. He made it correctly. He, he did everything right. And we should want to do that same thing. As God creates, as God makes we should follow the wise writer's advice and instruction in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 9 through 10, that we should work 
heartily, that we should do our work putting everything into it. We should, we should want to work. We should want to see the value of putting in an honest day's effort. Work is good because, of course, we are able to create with what we do in our work. No matter what your job is, as you go out there, you are blessing the lives of people around you. God is, God is working through you to do important and good things in the world. And so when we work, when we go out there and we do our jobs, God blesses our families with the money that we make. And we can then in turn take that money and we can support others around us, those who are in need about us. We can also take that money and help the work of the church. We can do all the things that God wants us to do with the work that we do. You know, wouldn't it have been easy for, for God to save Israel from Egypt without Moses? Couldn't God have saved Israel from Egyptian slavery without Moses? But no, he goes to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to go into Egypt and I want you to, to lead these people out. I want you to do the difficult work of working for me. And Moses said, find somebody else. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Somebody else can do it. God knew that Moses was the man for the job. The work that needed to be done, Moses needed to do it. And I know a lot of times we want to push the work off to somebody else. I know a lot of times we don't want to embrace our responsibilities to do good work. But God wants us to have a powerful and important work ethic. And of course, the Proverbs are full of Proverbs about work. If you go back, the wise writer has so many important things to say about a man who is lazy and doesn't work versus someone who takes on the work. Of course, even, by the way, just tying it into the last point, you know how many times he talks about ants? and the work ethic of an ant, right? What is he saying there? Look at creation. Look at nature, and you'll see the importance of good work. We need to take an important work ethic seriously in our life and see work not as a drudgery, not as a punishment or a curse, but a blessing. And I don't know, if you're not retired yet, if you're showing up tomorrow on Monday for your 9 to 5, when you clock in in the morning, maybe just think differently about work. How, how does your work change when you see it as a gift from God? How does, how does the way that you perform, how does your, your task list change? What, what is the way that you deal with your coworker? How does that impacted by seeing work as a gift from God? I know there are a lot of people here who work very hard. Some people struggle to find work. Some people have worked at the same place forever and ever and ever. And some people don't work because they worked for a long time and now they don't. Whatever your, whatever your role is, let's all just see that work is a good thing and a blessing from God. Now here's about the point in the lesson where I think I've got everyone on board and hopefully I'm not going to lose anybody. Because I think a lot of times we spend significant effort talking about all the things we should do. You know, if you're not productive, you're not getting things done, if you're not just fitting within the schedule that's, that's been allotted for the task that you need to complete, well, you're failing in your responsibilities. And here's where I want to take this lesson one step farther and talk about rest. Because I think rest is an important part of this conversation. In Mark chapter 6, as Jesus would talk to his disciples, 
The apostles returned to Jesus. They told him all that they had done and taught in that limited commission there. And they come back and he said to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. They did a lot of work. They did a lot of important work. They had stories to tell about their work. They spent so much time and energy working for Jesus. And when they came back, he said, you need to get back to work and go. Do more things for me. Don't stop. No, he says stop. Told him to stop. You guys haven't even eaten yet. You guys haven't taken care of yourself. You need to rest. Jesus, the Son of God, wanted his disciples to rest. And I think we need to see a very powerful lesson about rest from that. Because work is good. Don't get me wrong. Of course, we just talked about the importance of work. Work is very good. But God also created us to enjoy the sweetness of rest. You know what it feels like to spend a good time resting after you have put in an honest day's work. You know what it's like to take, take a couple days off. You know what it's like to, to just fall into bed after just spending the entire day doing, doing really important and, and powerful and meaningful things. You know what it's like to rest. And God has created us to enjoy that. And of course, with all these things, I think somebody could take it too far, right? You could, you could love nature so much that you just lived out there and nature was your church. You could become a workaholic and just spend 80 hours at work and give it all to the company. Or you could just be a lazy person who only ever wants to rest. But again, we're talking about being balanced disciples here. And so we need to see that, yes, work is good, but rest is also something important. We need to stop from time to time and enjoy rest because that is what God did. God, on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, he rested from his labor. He worked for six days, creating all of the good things, and on the seventh, he stopped. And I think there's something really powerful for me when I think about rest and how God rested on the seventh day. Because what does God promise to us? In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, he says, There remains for us a promise, rest. That after our labors, after this life, God has promised us rest in heaven. Here's the thing. What do they say? What's the saying? Uh, this, is, uh, this always gets me in trouble when I'm thinking of these things on the fly, but you never, never trust a, or never buy clothes from a naked man or something like that. You know, you, you, never, you never trust somebody who has no experience with something. God knows how to rest. You get that, right? On the seventh day, as he calls his, his people in Israel to rest, on, on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, every week they were to rest. They were to take a day and stop. And of course, we know that Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. It, a lot of people wanted to get, create a lot of different rules and oral traditions around the Sabbath, but Sabbath, that rest was made for man. And as God demonstrated that back in Genesis, God is showing us, I know how to rest. And when he promises us rest, in Hebrews chapter 4, when God promises to give us rest someday, 
don't you think he knows what that's all about? I think it's so cool to think about how God knows how to rest. His son Jesus knew how to rest. And so when I'm trusting that my hope is, is to rest someday, I want to know for sure that the one who's promising me that can deliver. And I know God knows how to rest. And I know he knows how to provide a place of comfort and peace when all the work of this life is over. And of course, in Psalm 127, verse 2, Psalm 127 is another, another great psalm, but you know, we, we have the opportunity in our life to work, and we can toil, and we can, we can labor, but God wants us to enjoy the sweetness of rest. God wants us. He's created us to want to rest. Here's the thing. Do you ever wonder why you spend a third of your life sleeping? Is God trying to tell you something by your constant need to sleep? I think he is. God could have made us in a way that none of us needed to sleep. And some of us like to have as a badge of honor, oh, I never sleep. Oh, whatever. You need to sleep. I used to say that. I was, I was dumb enough to say for a long, long time, oh, I just, I never sleep. I wake up at three in the morning. But now I'm like, I really want to sleep. You know, my daughter, she, will, she refuses to take a nap. And we've caught her in the last couple of months sleeping without it being dark outside. We all need rest. God has created us that way. He wants us to enjoy rest. And so here's the thing. Just think about rest. Think about those times where you get to just stop and enjoy a time, not by yourself, not recreating. I know that's actually an interesting word in the concept, context of this discussion, recreation, like recreation, uh, rebuilding ourselves. You know. That idea, though, is really important for us. It's not about just going off and having fun and, you know, enjoying the weekend or whatever. Where did Jesus, in that passage, call his disciples to go? Come with me. He didn't say, you guys go over there. I'm going to go over here. No, he said, come with me. We are going to go rest. We're resting with the Lord. The Sabbath was created as a time where we could where we could focus back on God. And that time has, has passed for the, for the Israelites long ago, and now we rest in Jesus. Now we rest knowing that we will have that rest eternally someday. We have an opportunity every day to see that God wants us to have rest. So what do you learn about God? What do you learn about a God who doesn't want to push you to your breaking point? What do you learn about a God who doesn't demand productivity 100% of your life? What do you learn about a God who says, no, no, it's time to rest? By the way, if you really stop and think about what the idea of Shabbat sounded like to, to a slave nation like Israel was coming out of Egypt, think about that. They were slaves coming out of Egypt. And one of the very first things that God says to them as they came out, he said, no, no. I don't want you to work. Stop working, please. You've worked hard enough. Take a day and rest. That, I think, changes the game for me. It makes me appreciate God. It makes me value that God knows that I, I need time. He's patient with me. He's careful with me. So just think about the opportunities that we have 
to enjoy the gift of creation. What God has made in nature, the work that he's allowed us to do, and his command for us to rest. I think it's so powerful just to stop and maybe spend a little bit more time thinking about how much God loves us. God loves us so much that he created this world for our good. And I know this is not a lesson that's going to teach you a whole lot of things to do this week, and I'm sorry for that. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get there someday. But maybe this week as you just are driving to work and you see that sunrise coming up, maybe when you're sitting there on your lunch break and you watch the, the little birds fighting over the food out there, maybe when you stop and, and remember that the work that you're doing for your company is really work that you're doing for Jesus. And yes, maybe even if you get home and you crash onto the couch and you find that time where you can rest, maybe pray to God, maybe study, maybe spend that time focusing on him, maybe that changes the game for you this week. I don't know. I, for me, as I've been thinking about these things, as I've been meditating on these things, the place that I was at was amazing, by the way. It was in the middle of the Mojave Desert. And you might think, oh, well, that sounds a lot like Yuma. And I thought so too when I got there. But I got to see some of the most amazing scenery. Some of the most amazing sunrises. Some of the most amazing sunsets. Some of the most amazing creation of God. There at that place. And that changed it for me. Maybe it changes it for you. And if you're not a child of the Lord, you need to understand that God has created something for you, a life for you to live, to serve him every day. And if you're ready to do that today, if you're ready to give your life to the Lord, it's only a step. You can take that step today. Please come.